You're listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley. Hi, it's Chris and Susan Beasley here with another episode of our podcast. And today we have just the most fantastic guest to be speaking with you and sharing some of his stories and experiences. So without further ado, may we introduce you to the one and only Mr. Chris Farrell. Chris, Susan, what a lovely introduction. It's wonderful to be here. And can I just also say hello to everyone listening to, you know, this episode of Living the Retirement Lifestyle. I, I appreciate you carving a little bit of time out of your day, and it's a real pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me. You are very, very welcome. So I'm going to drag back a little bit of history Uh-oh. and see if you can remember, Chris, because... Okay. Many, many years ago, before all this podcasting and video stuff was really fashionable, um, you very kindly said that you would appear on one of our training calls. And you were in California at the time, I believe. Yes. Do you remember what happened? I think I might know where this is going. Now, this was this was a call we were going to do. This is, yeah. about, what, 2010? Yeah. 10, yeah. yeah. And didn't I have to cancel, like, which incidentally, I never cancel anything. I've got one of these things, but I like to, with the four agreements, be impeccable with your words. If I say something, I like to do it. But I think I had to cancel at the last moment due to the most ridiculous kind of like, sounds like a crazy excuse. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, that's it. it. it what is. was the excuse, on, Chris? What, tell, us, tell us the excuse. Tell everyone your excuse. The excuse was we were supposed to be doing something live. And like 10 minutes beforehand, I, I lived in the, in the hills in Los Angeles and a lorry drove down the road and was really tall and it pulled out the cable that went into my house that provided the internet, which sounds like the most ridiculous <laughs> excuse ever. You're like, yeah, right. Of course it did, Chris. You just couldn't be bothered to do it. But, um, or you had a late night. I was like, no, it really happened. And uh, I remember feeling awful because it sounded like something somebody kind of makes up. But uh, I love the fact you remember that as well. I know. We remember telling everyone, you are not going to believe this. And we don't really, I uh, know, we didn't say that, but it was fabulous. And we had no choice but to run with it without you. And uh, mm-hmm. we had some people attending and we just pulled somebody out of the audience. Come and chat to us. And come and chat to us. And it actually went down go. really well. We're sorry we didn't get you. And it has been a lot of years. How many years? Oh, my goodness, Gosh. that's... 12 years 11 12 years later and we finally tracked you down again i know everybody says this but it really doesn't time as you get older doesn't time just go like crazy fast i mean i remember that so clearly and that was what 12 years ago yeah isn't that terrifying and here you are back in the uk so perhaps you would share with with our listeners and our viewers a little bit about your story where where you were in your career before you became what I will say is a world famous internet marketer. Oh, well, thank you. And then then what you're doing there. We'd love to know your story. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, everyone. Well, long, mercifully, long story short, you'll be pleased to hear. (laughs) I won't bore you guys forever. There's nothing worse than something like like 40 minutes. And then I did this. Nobody cares. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) long story short, I'm from England originally. And as uh, Chris and Susan said, I I lived in Los Angeles for about 15 years, came back recently. But uh, I worked in in radio and broadcasting for years in, in the UK. 
And then I moved to America, met a girl, well, I met a girl, we moved to America and got married. And then I fell into this world of online marketing, which is such a crazy kind of wonderful kind of beast that can move in many different directions and um, did quite well in, in that industry in California. And, and then about three years ago, moved, well, actually it's not true at all, sorry, one year ago, moved back to England. And uh, I'm kind of, um, I've always been interested, Chris and Suzanne, love to get your take on this as well. I've always been interested and I've always admired people that kind of pivot in their life and try new things. And uh, I've always been like that. I've always found those sorts of people, people that are very just engaging and endearing. And I've always wanted to be one of those people. So I, I often will try new things. Many of them don't work, <laughs> but you have to try these things. Exactly. So the reason for saying that is I've come back to England. Sadly, my marriage ended, but I came back to England. And uh, I'm now kind of exploring other areas, still in the sort of the area of entrepreneurship, but I'm a keen writer. I try a few other projects as well. So, um, so I, I would say really now I'm kind of like entrepreneurial. I've got three main businesses. One is in, in marketing, one is in comedy, believe it or not. Uh, you're probably thinking I find that very difficult to believe. And uh, another one is kind of in, uh, in finance and teaching finance um, and cryptocurrencies and all that sort of stuff as well. So they're all kind of three unrelated things, uh, but I, I enjoy learning all of them. So that's kind of where I am now. I have to say that I feel more energized and focused than ever as I'm getting older. Do you feel, do you feel the oh, same? Oh gosh, or? yes, absolutely. Why and is that, do you think? Um, you don't sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, if we go back, to, I mean, let's just go back to the beginning of your story. You moved from the UK to Los Angeles. Yes. You also changed your career, career from a broadcaster to an internet marketer. I mean, that must have been, I mean, that must have been a heck of a change and a heck of a decision to actually take. I know you were. I know you were probably chasing after a girl and all that. And, you're, yeah. a, and you're a young thing, not, not older <laughs> than us, you know. But you know, it is funny you say that because being perfectly transparent with you at the time, I didn't even really acknowledge that. But I did have a lot of people say, and now when I look back at that younger version of myself, I think, gosh, that is, you know, I did leap from having. I had a very good job in London, yeah. and uh, it paid very well, and had lots of nice perks off the back of it because I worked on the radio, so I was. That wasn't no known, but you got invited to lots of the only reason I say this, I got invited to lots of things and events and TV yeah. things, and it was great. But I was very cool with just giving that up instantly and, and going to Los Angeles where I knew nobody and um didn't know what I was going to do. And now when I look back, just to kind of echo your thoughts, Chris, it, it does make me think, gosh, that was quite a brave leap. But I didn't really feel it at the time. So I, I don't even know if I can really take credit for it because I was just like, yeah. Let's do this. I'm always reminded of Shirley MacLaine's autobiography, which is called Leap and the Net Will Appear. And I've always thought, I kind of like that attitude, you know, leap and the net will appear. And I kind of leapt and, you know, the net did appear. And, you know, I didn't quite go in the direction I thought I'd go, go in, but who does in life? And that's kind of part of the magical yeah. journey. You know, happiness is the, is the journey, isn't it? As the saying goes, not the yeah. destination. But yeah. So, so did you think you might go stay in broadcasting out in, out in the US? I wanted to try something new because I've, I've, as a kid, I'd always been interested in great orators and communicators and people that enjoyed language and words and intonation and inflection. And I'd always liked good. I think at the start of when I was a kid at school, I remember my English teacher, Mr. Foster, just being really kind of, I remember him reading a poem in class and uh, he really kind of delivered it, acted it almost. And most of the boys were laughing, but I remember thinking, oh, I like that. It's got courage to kind of communicate effectively. So, uh, so 
I, I was interested in broadcasting, but I did want to try something new in America. But it's funny also that you say that, Chris, because I've realized that broadcasting or communicating, what you guys do very, very well, really is a skill that you can apply to any business. Mm -hmm. And I, I find this in any industry that a lot of people can not communicate clearly or often in an interesting manner what it is they're trying to communicate. I mean, how many training videos have you watched or even instruction manuals have you read and it's like this doesn't make any sense explain it simply to me so um so i've always been in I, I find that basically what i'm saying here is i find that broadcast having been in broadcasting has certainly been a good skill that's allowed me to to use the if you like language broadcasting skills in in other things that i've wanted to turn my hand to okay so i mean it's I mean, you said we, we communicate well, but it's a skill we learn. Sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Only joking. <laughs> you. That comedy. was my little joke, everybody. Oh, there's, there's the there's comedy, the comedy coming out. There's the comedy. Like. Well, the looser sense of its worth. <laughs> but it is, it's a skill that you learn, and you must have learned it to become a broadcaster, and we learned it, I don't know, about 2007, yeah. 2008. We, we went and learned to speak from stage, not Did because you? we... Professional oh. speaking, yeah. you know. Not, be, not because we wanted to speak from stage that much, although yes. we do love it now, but because we wanted the communication skills. Don't, don't you think, though, one of the most, at least I do, one of the most important communication skills is the ability, it almost sounds quite a dull thing to be good at, but is to be a good listener. Mm. And it's funny in this world, again, in the social media world, you know, so many people I find they, they don't actually listen. I've learned, I remember, do you remember Alan Wicker? Oh no, my yeah. goodness, yeah. yeah. My mum my met him on a cruise once, yeah. Oh, what was he like? I bet he was lovely. No, she said he was really lovely and very, very normal. Yes. Just talked like a normal person. Yes. And he did in his shows, didn't he? I mean, yes. But well, what I remember learning from Alan Wicker was uh, he would like, when he would interview somebody, he might say, so what brought you to live in the, the Caribbean yeah. island? And they, they say, well, I, I, you know, my business went bankrupt in England, so I decided to move over here. And he'd just look at the person and kind of nod. And then because of the pause, and then they then say, oh, and I'd also, you know, I'd, uh, I'd had an affair and I, I ran off with the house. <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is where all the good stuff comes out if you're comfortable to listen. And I remember as a kid thinking, wow, the power of listening kind of you actually ironically learn more. And so many people kind of think they think they do the opposite. They think they have to speak. Yeah. And, uh, it's, so, the, it's um, the power of silence, isn't it? Isn't it? Although maybe not. Under, let's all have a, let's have a five second silence now and see how it goes. That's your lot. That's five seconds. Done. A bit weird, isn't it, on a podcast? Done. Yeah, but actually, it, you raise a really, really valid point here. And I mean, we'll get back into your story in a minute, is that social media has grown beyond anything we would have imagined when you started, uh, you know, work as an on internet marketer, when we started, you know, the, yeah. everything was brand new. Like, there was no training on anything. No. Um, and these days... As you say, the problem is that social media has become like a selling platform for people instead of a listening platform for people. Oh. So when they are connecting totally with people who found them because they've made some post or written some article or recorded some video that's attractive to that person, and it is to do with their business and they want to sell some product at the end of it, 
they just straight for the throat once oh. they get into a communication channel instead of doing what you say listen then feed it back see what they say was my will my thing be the solution for that person yes move on help them if it's not have a nice day good to meet you it's it's just not done like that unfortunately and it's so it's that's well, why we teach it. <laughs> I, I truly believe social media, I, I think it's simple. It should be about the other person. Yes. I mean, it's that simple. I, when I used to teach a lot of internet marketing, I would say, like, look at your copy. Look at how you're communicating. If you're saying I and me, obviously you're going to say that a few times. But really you want to try and remove those words from your language as much as possible yeah. and, re and replace them with you. It's such a subtlety in language. Yeah. Maybe it comes back to my interest in broadcasting. It's you want to talk to somebody, not, not at them. You don't want to say, would you like to know how I've done this and I've done this? It's like, it's, <sighs> imagine going to a party and somebody's like that. You're like, kill me now. You are boring. Yeah. but the problem is everybody's doing it so they think that's the way to do it wayne dyer once said he said social comparison is the thief of happiness and i've always loved that saying the challenge with social media is everybody thinks that's the way to do it and then what happens is we all and we're all guilty we kind of watch things on social media and we think well everybody's else's life is perfect they've got it dialed in it's effortless for them i'm a failure I'm clearly the only one that can't get my business off the ground or can't write my book yeah. or can't do this because clearly everybody else is setting up a funnel and they're making a million dollars a month. So it must be me. And of course, the reality is everybody's going through something. And I know a lot of these jokers. A lot of them, are, I wouldn't even call them friends. They're acquaintances. I've seen them. I know their business inside out. I've seen them speak on stage. And it's, it's all kind of, you know, selling the sizzle, selling the dream. And the reality is not nearly what most people think. But of course, social media is this, this, this platform, isn't it, where they, you know, you, again, you sell the sizzle. So um, I'm, I'm kind of healthily cynical about a lot of stuff like that. So I like speaking to people like you. It's like, let's just, I do think it's going to be a turning of the tide. Let's just be real here. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm struggling a little bit here. Hey, I don't really understand this. Hey, I don't really know what to do next. It's like if you go to an event and somebody talks on stage and they might explain how to set up a business and they'll say something like, and you can do this and do that. Does that make sense? And everybody's sort of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like thinking, hang on. If you asked, if you asked anybody there, <laughs> anybody okay pause come on let's have a coffee explain to me what they've just said what they actually mean they'll be like yeah. oh i don't really know it's that peer pack mentality isn't it that we Agreed. feel so um Agreed. so anyway Agreed. that's my thoughts on that i think i think that's lovely that you have that perspective because the people listening to this and watching this are attracted by the idea of pivoting which is such a fashionable word at the moment into something different either because they need to i.e they might need to earn a second or even a main income yes. from starting something new particularly because of the pandemic years and what's that's done to people they no longer want to work for a boss travel up to a main into a main city they no longer want to be at the beck and call of of their employers they rather liked working at home they rather liked that travel time spent with their family or yes. maybe some haven't um and now they want to do something different now we're finding that happening to the people that we talk to because of their age in the sure. main they're coming up to retirement they're thinking well can i why don't i just do this thing earlier why don't i have yeah. a life and what can I do to earn an income so that I can enjoy that life? That's such a great place to be. And it is, let's be perfectly transparent here. Nobody kind of, again, says this, 
again, if you look at memes on social media, you make it think, not you, one makes it seem as if it's really easy to do, but it's scary, isn't it? Let's talk about that for a second. You know, it is scary doing stuff like that. Nobody says this. I've I've often talked about, and forgive me if you've heard me say this, but I've often talked about, and I often say this exact sentence, I say the number one skill to develop is courage. The number one skill to develop is courage. The number one skill to develop is courage. Let's really think about that. We're all scared. We all have got that, um, that's, that voice of doubt. We've all got that imposter syndrome to some extent. If we think about who we spend 24-7 with, we spend 24-7 with ourselves. And yet the voice that all of us have to varying degrees in our head that says, well, actually, you're, you're not actually good enough you're too old you don't look good enough you know you need to lose that weight you need to put on that weight you can do it when the kids leave home you can do it when the grandparents leave home you can do it when you take a bit more money we've all got that voice in our head if that if that voice was was a friend of ours or somebody we knew hanging out with us we wouldn't wouldn't hang out with them so i think the first thing is what we just said if somebody's listening to this right now and thinking yeah you know what i do like the idea of doing something new but i realistically i'm 65 and 70 you know it, it's almost a nice distraction to hear this podcast talking about it i can almost fantasize about it for a few minutes but come on really i'm going to go back home a bit later i'm going to make the dinner this evening and it's like it's not going to happen it's like well we we need to firstly address what we're thinking about here that the number one skill to develop is courage and if we we all know the saying if we do what we've always done we're going to get what we've always got i know that's a bit of a cliche but it's absolutely true if we want to make any change to our financial situation for example if we literally are doing the same thing all the time and we want to make more money well logically why would that work we we need to do different things and doing something different is scary so that's why the number one skill to develop is courage but the weird thing is once we adapt a little bit of courage particularly if there's just even one or two people we can share our fears with like the supportive community that you've created here on this podcast suddenly it becomes something that actually ironically isn't as scary so i'm a huge believer in the power of embracing courage and having an accountability group like everyone here in the living the retirement lifestyle talking about this subject matter because this is something Mm. that can be done i'm not me chris and susan we're not just saying this because it sounds pretty words on a podcast Mm. history is riddled with millions of people in a lot more tricky situations than everybody listening right now and even they've managed to turn things around or or make a little make a little change and i think the key to any change we 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 think of the end result don't we that's where we want to go it's got to be baby steps incremental growth imperfect action i do this thing every day i'd love to get your thoughts on this i literally do this every day when my head is on the pillow at night i play back in my head like a movie the day and i ask myself the following question what have i done today that's moved my life forward and i'm honest brutally honest and if if there's nothing then i think well i kind of really wasted today but i would suggest everybody listening now to living the retirement lifestyle tonight when your head's on the pillow, if you can remember this, just say to, my, say to yourself, what have I done today? And just go through your day. And it could be something for health. It could be something for wealth. It could be something for a relationship. It could be a spiritual thing. It could be a contribution. It could be anything. But ask yourself, what have I done today to move my life forward? And it, as I just said, the smaller the better. We're not looking at grand steps here because these tiny baby imperfect action steps, they compound over time, just like compounding interest does. Uh, just like, you know, the old analogy, I'm sure you've heard this. People say, would you like a million pounds or would you like, you know, one pence um, on a chessboard? And, you know, you double it every square on the chessboard. And of course, yeah. if you know this story, you know, that ends up with trezillions. 
But asking ourselves that question, what have we done to bring our life forward every day? It's a really good, it's a really good level to ask yourself at the end of the day to not waste time. So um, as you can tell, I'm probably- that, Oh, Chris, I think that's fabulous. And this leads me to something we were chatting about before we came on. We were talking about my mom and having dementia and oh at her end of life. And we talked how, about- how, how old she is, Susan? 90, she's in her 93rd year. Okay, and she's still talking about Alan Wicker. She's like, all right, mum, enough. Like, no, no, <laughs> this is the thing about dementia. It's fabulous because they go back. Her long-term memory is Her long-term memory is fabulous. We're actually recording it into a book. Every oh, time she talks beautiful. about something, I press record on my phone and I've got that's... all of this to write a story about. Can I ask, if you don't mind, does she know you're recording it? I mean, that's oh, yes. yeah, yeah. seriously. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. such a great thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Is your dad around, Susan? As well. uh, no, I lost my dad um, when he when he was 60. Um, he died very suddenly of a heart attack okay. um, long before we knew about CPR and all that sort of thing. Right. It's a great okay. shame because he would have lived. But yeah. it is what it is. But that was over yeah, years. I mean, that's a story for another day. But let's let's okay. bring back what I was going to talk about, because that's we were talking about this book by Bronnie Ware, which is the five oh. regrets of the diet of the dying. And you mentioned something just now is I wish I had. And the whole book is on that. I think you've read the book, haven't you? This book is beautiful. I mean, for someone listening right now, even if you're not a prolific reader, you can just Google the blog post. It's, it's called, fabulous. as Susan said, it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. It's by this, uh, I think she's a New Zealand yes. nurse, isn't she? A palliative nurse. So she looks after people that are in, in hospices that, as the name suggests, they know they are not coming out of that hospice. Exactly. They are going there to die. And it's all about over her career. She obviously got very close to these people. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, you know, to the moment of their death yes and most of them would of course who wouldn't you know at that point of life kind of sort of you know saying, oh i do regret you know having not done this or having done this but the number one regret of the dying and this is not like a you know a spoiler here no, the number no. one regret of the dying is at the at, let's just think about what we're saying here even at their deathbed there they remember this regret so if we're even vaguely smart we can circumnavigate 30 40 years by learning from our elders and not making the same mistake if this is the number one regret and the number one regret is people didn't have the courage there's that word again to live a life true to themselves i know that sounds a bit pretty words but it's like well think about something that you would like to it could be anything even at their deathbed people were regretting not having asked out a girl 50 years ago on a date yep. now it, the irony is it doesn't even matter if she didn't say yes it's the fact that we didn't do it yes. so we can't not do things because of fear everybody's got fear get over it we've all got fear are we going to use that as a convenient excuse not to do something or are we going to push through despite having it so this is what the book is all about do we really want to be that person oh i can't do that I'm a bit scared of doing that. I can't set up that business. I wouldn't know what to do. It's like, don't do what the number one regret of the dying is and and give, give in to that. Let's learn. We only get one life. Let's learn. Too right. So, um, yeah. But That's yeah, exactly. I, did you enjoy the book? It's Sorry? 
Did you did you enjoy the book? I did. Um, Chris hasn't read it yet. Um, I, I read. read that, I first you? was introduced through her blog post, okay. and and I've actually I've actually written a blog post on on our our, um, our blog about it because it really Gosh. inspired me. Um, and I talked with my mum about it because when my dad oh. died, and this is appropriate, and then we're going to talk about your book. When my dad died. She was obviously absolutely mortified, but she came out of it saying, he always said, when I've done this, he was an accountant. Oh, like I know when I've done way. this, when I've done yeah. this, when I've done this, when, when I, I retire, retire <laughs> we're going to travel. And of yeah. course, they never no. did. So my mum took that dream on yeah. her own and she went traveling she oh. has traveled all over the world what's her name her name is anne that's wonderful yeah she she has and she's got some amazing stories to share which will go into the book um, we're doing her ancestry at the moment as well through believe it or not we through social media connected with a co two cousins of hers who were her bridesmaids at her wedding and moved to the States. That's of course, she can't remember how to contact them now. So I contacted them and they're doing the family tree and we're picking up all the pieces from the That's UK for so it. so fascinating. Um, yeah. That's, gosh, I love stuff like that. Yeah. But the thing is, question for you, just yeah. related to that, yeah. uh, and this will sound a bit random, but there is a reason for asking. Have you seen the movie Braveheart? I haven't. No, I, I've not. seen the trailer of it, but we haven't okay. watched it. Well, first, it's a phenomenal film. It's outstanding. <laughs> but there's a great line in that film. But I think it was actually a, sort of an old Chinese thing. But essentially, um, the, the, the context is that uh, Mel Gibson plays William Wallace, one of the kind of the, uh, the Scottish heroes, if you like. And he's been invited to meet the King of England to talk about a truce. And he's going to go and meet him. And I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't seen it, but yeah. this doesn't spoil it. But essentially, he's going to the meeting and some of his mates, Scottish mates, say, William, it could be a trap. Terrible Scottish accent there. And uh, he says, you could die. To which he says, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. And it's like, I oh. love it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. True. I true. love so that. We all, we all sadly... Well, I say sadly, you know, it's part of the journey, and we're all going to, of course, die. But are we? The real question is, you know, are we truly living? Are we truly living? And this, this can be turned. You know, every passing moment is yet another opportunity to turn it around. It doesn't have to be a January the first thing. We can decide on a random Tuesday afternoon at four twenty-four. Do you know what? I'm going to get my act together a little bit more. I'm yeah. going to get up a few minutes early. I'm going to start reading more. I'm just going to start studying more. I'm going to come obsessed with learning. It doesn't matter what it is. Every passing moment is another opportunity to turn it all around. If we adopt the courage to start thinking a little bit differently, you know, it's, it's, it's simple, <laughs> but it's not easy as the saying goes. So, um, and it's kind of everything we're talking about, Susan and Chris, it's kind of related to this, you know, Bronnie Ware's book oh, sort of says the same thing. It is. So it's, we all kind of intuitively know it, don't we? It's just doing it. It's like you said earlier about, um, about the story about um, your, your dear, um, um, father who said you know when I, I will do this yeah. everybody I think and this is obviously no no reflection on your dear dad but you know it's no, talk it's, is cheap isn't it yep. it's very easy I don't actually care it sounds a bit brutal what anybody says I say it's to friends of mine people say oh, I'm going to do this I'm going to write this but I'm like I don't really care what anybody says people sometimes look at me a bit shocked I say because talk means nothing I, a, tr a person's true character is defined by their actions they're defined by what they do yeah. show me do it don't 
talk about it because in because what happens then is we confuse activity for action uh-huh. we're busy thinking about this thing that we're going to do and we like talk about it with our mates and it makes us feel good in that moment but it's like ah talk is cheap do it then we'll have a conversation so speaking of do it yes you did it so yes. you pivoted you said you changed your businesses to doing some different things when you came back to the UK you're doing yes. your comedy I think we'll talk about the comedy another day because I'm going to get you back I think of you've course. got so much value to add to to our, our podcast Ooh, and to our, our listeners kind of and viewers well, but let's talk about this book you've been writing Oh, well, that's very nice of you. I've spent the last couple of years writing a book and then I kind of realised, actually, I probably haven't really spent two years writing. I probably spent 25 years writing because really um, I was inspired by a guy called Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the one of the Stoics. Yeah. Yeah. And Marcus Aurelius, um, Stoics essentially lived 2000 years ago and they really their their overarching thing, if you like, if you had to put it in a headline was that we need to control our emotions. It's our emotions that are our number one enemy. And I would agree with that completely. We need to um, be aware of how we can react and respond to things. So Marcus Aurelius was one of the one of the Stoics along with uh, Epictetus and a few of these other people you possibly or maybe not have heard of. But Marcus Aurelius wrote a book called Meditations. Yeah. And what was amazing about this book, at least I found it amazing, was that he wrote the book for himself because he wanted to write a book where he would have in one place everything that had kind of, <coughs> excuse me, had impacted him in his life and he wanted to kind of remember. And I, I've kind of been doing this for the last 25 years anyway. I've, I've, I haven't, have it right here, got my, I call it my daily log. And I feel this in every day of stuff that I just want to remember that's really impacted me. Uh, and it can be anything. And I, I, for years, have kind of wanted to put it in one place. So truthfully, I kind of wrote my book. It's called Reinvent, really for myself. And then I shared it with a few friends and they were very gracious and found it, found it helpful. So essentially, it's, um, I, I, I published it. It's only a short book. I don't think books need to be 300 pages. It's like no. 65 pages or something. But the thing I'm quite proud about is I truly do think that <laughs> almost every line is like, I don't want anything superfluous. I like brevity, you know, I, I don't want to say in like a chapter what you can really just say in a sentence if you kind of get to the meat of it. And most books, really, I'm not slurring any books, of course, but most books, really, the central message is is pretty short and it's padded out over loads of chapters, unless it's something like an autobiography. So I've always been interested in this whole subject of reinventing ourselves. I've never wanted to be this person that talks about doing something and, and not do it. I've always been fascinated by that. So I wrote this book called Reinvent and um, and that's kind of it really so that's where i wow. that's where i am so it's been published already well i say yes but you know full disclosure i've, I've self-published it on amazon so Why i don't, not? Yeah, I don't want anyone to do. think yeah. that it sounds yeah. like oh he's got a publisher you know yeah. the, that's another thing about where we're living we can all do this you mm-hmm. simply write the book you upload it and you know yeah. it's a little bit of a process but we can all do it okay. so but yes it's it's uh, it's on amazon in fact for, actually truth be told at the time at the time we're speaking right now it's about three days away from going on amazon so, <gasps> but, uh, we'll go and look oh, for it in three days then. and yeah. you know this is such a coincidence because our next book we we wrote a book in 2013 called the mindset shift which was our journey from moving from our traditional career into the world of um, entrepreneurship into um, internet marketing as it was then but it's got more fashionable names these days but our next our sequel to that is reinvent your retirement how fun it's a sign 
I know. It's just bizarre. It's just bizarre, isn't it? But I think this is what we all have to do. This is what this show's about. It's to encourage people and give them that courage to get on with it and make the life that they want. We haven't been able to travel for two years. The pictures behind us are the postcards and things that we go old fashioned. They send our friends, send them to us. Or we send them to ourselves when we travel because that's our memories. It's a vision board that's moving all the time. Let me ask you this though. When you pivoted, (laughs) excuse me, did you find it scary? Did you have moments of like, you know, self-doubt and questioning and anxiety and stress and stuff? Because all of a sudden, I mean, for us, I mean, we made a decision and we maintained our uh, accountancy and consultancy business for six months. Just to give us some money. Just to give uh, give us some time to make the switch. Of course. But at six, but... When you, we then decided, right, okay, we'll start our online business and we started working it part-time. Every day we put aside some time to work on it for six months. And, but the day of six months came and you wake up the next morning and you go, I actually haven't got to go to a client today. I actually haven't got to go anywhere I could lay in bed all day. And then you go. And he did. (laughs) But I've got no income. That was the thought that sort of goes through your head. Sure. Because you're so used to doing the time for money thing. And mm. knowing you've got to have a paycheck at the end of the month. Mm. And all of a sudden, even though we built our business and we were earning an income, you know, in our consultancy business, you're earning an income up here. And because we were only six months into our Thing, our, our income was down here, oh, you know. It's quite a leveller, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But was also, there a point where you ever thought, I think we're going to, you know, quit? I don't know. No, this. no not, not early on. We had okay. some challenges. Of course. In our direction, as everybody does. Yeah. And at those points where we had to make some decisions on what we would do, we did have some straight talking with one another and had a plan B. But in the end, we said, no, we don't fancy plan B. We have to push forward and... I'm not going back to work. And it, <laughs> no, exactly. things just fell into place. I'm a great believer in the universe and abundance and what you put out into the world comes back to you unexpectedly, even though you should never expect it to. And it did. And we got approached by um, a very successful entrepreneur who had heard business we were working with had gone down basically um and would we go and work alongside him as affiliate marketers not nothing special and help him develop that and we did and it was it was a fabulous three years Um, i I love about i love so much about the story it's like so when you were doing that if you just thought about gosh three years ago we were doing this that was a completely different universe almost yeah yeah and you i I said going back to your original question was it scary yeah absolutely absolutely it was scary like jumping out of an airplane and then you know when you you talk to your friends and family about what you're doing and they go and particularly after 2008 because we put money into property for our retirement and then 2008 came along and a lot of it disappeared yeah but you know, we then said, right, okay, we've got to find another way. And going online was our other way. And so, but when we told our friends and family, they said, 
you get the thing, oh, just carry on doing what you're doing. It'll be all right. I had no idea. And Absolutely. if we'd have taken that advice, we'd still be working 60 or 70 hours a week. Yeah. And I for money. And, you know, and running around after clients, but your course with COVID would have caused a huge problem for two years. Of course, yes. Yeah. And so you have to make your own decisions based on forget what other people are going to think, what they're going to say, because they're all going to say you shouldn't do that. And a lot of the reason they say it is because they wouldn't do it themselves. themselves. They're scared to. They haven't got the courage to do it themselves. Courage. There it is again. There you that's go. The that's, that's the word. And that's how, it. how come this got into you interviewing us? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. People say that about me. They go, hang on, ah. you flipped this around. I'm just interested in, like you are, I'm just interested in, yeah. I'm just interested in what, like, you know, everybody has a story, don't they? I yeah. like, I'm sure you like people watching. I'm just interested in why, what people think and how they tick and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, I have, I have flipped it around. No, it's, it's all right, it's fine, you know, it's great th- fun. You know, I'm going to drop you in it now because I'm going to say, do you have a podcast? Because if you don't, you jolly well should. Oh, well, that's so lovely of you, Susan. I did and I don't at the moment. I, and the only reason is I'm focusing on a few other things that I, I've I realized I was very, I was going to use the word good, but that's probably the wrong word. I, I basically, I think we can all be related. I took on too many projects and mm. I was getting like seven tenths of the way of all of them and never really executing effectively yeah. on 100% of any of them. Yeah. So only recently, really, in the last year, I've kind of stopped doing some stuff. Podcasting is actually one of them. I did really enjoy it. But there are a lot of work, as you know. And when you've got a few other things, it was like, it's like I I, I really wanted to focus on a few other projects and push that through before I maybe kind of re-explore. But thank you. No, I agree. And and I think you're right. We only we don't podcast every day. We have one, maybe two a month. And that just depends on the, the dates that our guests can, can be available. Yes. But we only publish one month. a month. Yeah, I think that's great. So, um, and, and they're good. See, they're like this. This has been absolutely fabulous. And we know you have to go. No, no. Um, I'm, I'm, but you're season three now as well, aren't you? We are season yeah. three. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys out. Yeah. Do you remember? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not, it sounds like I'm interviewing you again, but the very first podcast, do you remember feeling nervous about that, like a new skill that you're doing? And uh... Oh, yeah, because I got, I got it totally wrong. I did the introduction wrong. And actually, you probably know, do you know Gavin McCoy? Now, are we talking about the radio guy? Yes. Oh, very well. Very he well, recorded yeah. for us. We met him, well, we've known him for years, but we met him at an event and we were talking about launching our podcast and he very okay. kindly made our jingle for us. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, Gavin McCoy, I'm going to take over for season four. So you're going to. Have- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, as we're no longer able to um, speak to him because of the little problem we told you about earlier, you might reach out to him on um, that big faceless platform and let him know. I will happily do that. Um, that he can connect us with us via WhatsApp if you'd be okay. kind enough to do that. That would be fabulous. Be yeah. Absolutely, guys. Yeah. Okay, well, we know your time's precious. Yeah, We're coming up to you. an hour now. Can, can, in fact. Yeah, that's can gone. we have you back again to talk about your other venture, your comedy? Well, that's very nice of you to even ask. I would be absolutely thrilled. And if I can help you guys with anything, you know, that we're all in we're all in this together, aren't we? Yeah. We're all like um I remember the boss of Google once saying in an interview, and it always impacted me. He said, There's no such thing as competition, it's all about collaboration. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's enough. 
I mean, let's, there's enough money out there for everybody to have a piece of it. There's, there's enough supportive out there. So um, what, what would you, sorry, I do something I'm interviewing you now, but I'm just interested, somebody's listening right now, like the final thing, if somebody's thinking, well, what, what do you normally advise people if they still don't quite know the next thing to do, if they want to make a change, what would you say to somebody? Um, normally we say is talk to somebody who can help you get some perspective on it. Uh, we always offer that option and we're not trying to sell anybody into what we do. We just want to help, yeah. help them find the route that's right for them. Yes. Um, and that, that's what we do. Um, I, think, I think the thing is, it's talk to somebody who's done what you want to do. Yes, definitely. definitely. That's great advice. Getting a mentor is so... Yeah, absolutely. One of the ways to speed things up, for sure. Yes. Absolutely mm. crucial. But I think it's, you know, because you're never going to find out if what you want to do is for you because until you talk to somebody because, mm. because you're never going to... You won't get the nuts and bolts of it. You know, when people talk to us and they say, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and you say, well, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Oh, I want to earn a million pounds by the end of next week. Oh, yeah. You know, we know you, you can do it. You know, <laughs> most people can't. You have, you have to be honest with them and say, sorry, it doesn't work like that. Sure, yes. You know, and you've got to put in the time and the effort. And if you're not prepared to do that, then don't go there. It's learning new skills. It's we're coming back to the word of reinvent again. You, yes. If you're going to reinvent yourself, take on the skills, invest oh. in yourself to well, give Jim you Rowan the best chance. Say, I think Jim Rowan said it beautifully. He was he said once, and we'll wrap up with this if you like. He he said he often gets asked, you know, basically, how do I make more money? Was the question he got asked the most. And he said, I'll tell you exactly how you make more money. And he goes, okay, and they've got their pen ready. He goes, you make more money by becoming more valuable. So yes. therefore, the question we should ask is, how do you become more valuable? And you just said it, Susan. You become more valuable by learning new skills. So basically, the one takeaway, you know, is learn something new. It doesn't matter what it is, but something that you're passionate about, because otherwise you're not going to do it. But that's how you kind of succeed. You just kind of, you, you become more valuable. And I remember hearing this great example about why does somebody at McDonald's get paid, you know, the minimum wage and somebody that plays for... Arsenal get you know two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week, and uh, the answer to that is because the value they bring to the marketplace. Now it's important to, to disassociate. It's not the value of the person. It's not saying somebody who works at McDonald's is you know an invaluable person. Of course they're not, but you know they're a valuable father or son or husband or, or brother or, or whatever or sister. But what we're saying is how much value do they bring to the marketplace? And, you know, we live in a, in a society where the value that that person works at McDonald's brings to the marketplace is not much. And it isn't because a lot of people could do that. Yet the value that uh, somebody plays for Arsenal brings to the marketplace. That's the key thing. Again, we're not, it's not a personal thing. So my point is become more valuable, learn more skills, and then things start to change. What a fabulous last word. So may we thank you for joining us and our listeners Thanks. and our viewers today. I hope you. those of you watching and listening have had a lot of fun with us. We like our podcast to be fun. We love the people that we interview because they add perspective to your life and help you reinvent your next steps and hopefully inspire <laughs> and you. hopefully inspire you to take action, have the courage, face the fear and just get on with it. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And to everyone, we'll see you on our next podcast. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
This is the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley. 